too. Um, we just finished recording a conversation that has been long overdue, and we are so grateful that she took the time to come on because her schedule is literally ridiculous. Uh, Chrissy Rutherford came on the pod today, and I've known Chrissy for, I mean, I've known of Chrissy forever, but I, because we come from the same media magazine editorial world and she was always an editor that I look up to and really admired yeah. her or do admire her career um but then we didn't actually meet I mean we've never met in person which is so weird to me but we totally. met like a we met virtually like a year ago I guess mm-hmm. a little over a year ago and we've stayed connected on the socials and when <laughs> Meadow and I started the podcast I was she was like one of the first people that I was like she's coming on well, what's fun is the three of us have been on random social things talking about mental health like twice now, I want to say. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah. So it was fun to now it's our we get to host her on our platform. It was so, so nice. if you don't know, Chrissy is a fashion and social media expert with over 12 years of experience in the industry. So Currently, fucking badass. She, yeah, she's working as a digital creator and has partnered with ridiculous brands like from Farfetch, Ugg, Tiffany & Co, yeah. Jimmy Choo, Saks, like she's the icon, dude. She's done it. She's literally done it all. Yes. And then also on top of all of that, in June of 2020, she co-founded 2BG Consulting with mm-hmm. her fellow editor and friend Danielle Prescott, and together they advise fashion and beauty brands along with influencers on how to implement anti-racist communication strategies. Like could someone be cooler? Listen to this bio. Like come on. No, it's, it's really ridiculous. And then before all of this, she was the special projects director at HarpersBazaar.com, like, where she spent nine on, years. Dude. Yeah. And she started her career in all of this as an assistant editor and then just worked her way up. Now she also has a newsletter called Forward Joy, yep. which is everything's going to be linked. And I'm pretty sure it's called that because it's her dad's name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah. Or his first or middle name or something like that. Yeah. Something, something like that. Something beautiful and special. But on top of all of it, she is just the most like spiritually like Mm -hmm. cool and like spiritually, I don't know another word for it, but just like a spiritually woke human. Well, I was going to say, it's funny listening to you read back her bio to me because I'm like, this is how fucking impressive she is. And we didn't talk about any of that because she is so cool with personal development and mental health and spirituality and all of her own interest, right? It's mm-hmm. not, that wasn't her background, all of her own fucking interests, that that's all we talked about. Like it's how so cool is it that you're that accomplished, this sick, doing all many, all these fun projects. We didn't even scrape the surface of that. All we, we talk about inner child work. We talk about living at home. We talk about being triggered while living at home. We talk about family dynamics. We talked about spirituality. We talked about mother, daughter stuff. Oh my gosh. Dating and anxious attachment styles oh, and disorganized I, attachment Chrissy styles basically and- like introduced an, an attachment style for me that I didn't even know existed and like I think my whole world has just been turned upside Shifted down because of her. and I think I understand oh. myself on a deeper level now you know what we should have done we could still ask her for it or we could just go through her content and find it we should do like Chrissy's top three book recommendations oh yeah we should do that that would Chrissy's be fun. book club she should have a book club seriously she really should intro, Chrissy, you should have a or tell us what to read and we'll start it gabby and i are your first two participants seriously oh, and mahal up, mahal oh, <laughs> mahal's a participant too? too yeah but anyway this episode was so fun to record we literally logged off or we stopped recording and then talked about 
our relationships for the next hour. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, I, I learned so much from her and I see so much of myself like reflected in her in her store mm-hmm. obviously all of everyone's journey is individual and mm-hmm. we're all on our own paths but like i don't know i just i align a lot with her and i'm fucking obsessed with her so i'm so grateful that she came on this she really does i think we said this to her too but she just does such a great job of showing us how you can unpack stuff in real time yes like she like really like definitionally definitely she is the one that shares excuse me would you like to speak about Chrissy too yes Mahal Mahal's her biggest fan truly but she really she's so open and beautiful and vulnerable and like honest and so and effortlessly man like Eff- yes that's what I mean that? effortlessly like, honest and cool and like it's not a struggle for her to just share exactly what she's feeling and I want you through. guys when you're listening to today's episode because I was mind blown especially when, in yeah. the beginning we're talking a lot about family dynamics and and having open conversations about mental health with your family and she's just so gracefully and effortlessly like going against the most uncomfortable conversations that are yes. so difficult to have and does it yes. with just like such grace and ease Yes, absolutely. She's really our, mold, so our role model in many capacities, but that's a huge one, man. Seriously. So enjoy this episode. Thanks, Chrissy. Thank you for listening, and thank you beyond to Chrissy. Goodbye. Easy recording thing lately, so today we're like saying a little prayer, but it's, it's working fine. Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm about to record a podcast, so. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do that with my dog. <laughs> You're still, you're at home, yeah? With your parents? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to LA tomorrow, though. I'm so excited. (gasps) Wait, how long are you going to be in town? For, wait, are you there? I can't, I'm like, do you look, okay, I'm like, do you live in LA or Miami? I have no idea. Oh, that's a fair question for her. Yeah, fair statement. Um, I'm going to be there till the 28th, maybe longer. You want to hang out on the 25th? Sure. Metal's well, coming down for like I'm a coming day. Down so for a day. Specific. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's chat. Great. We'll pen. We'll, we'll we'll text you and we'll figure it out. Yeah. But yes. Like, oh yeah. I'm like gotta get out. Gotta get away from the cold. Oh my god. Okay. What what has that been like over there? Uh, Just out of it was my snowing personal. last night into this morning, like, and then like rain, sleet, storm. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Real gross. Yeah. Okay, Okay, Meadow, go ahead. Okay, so we start every episode by sharing a little bit about what we're currently unpacking. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, what are you currently journaling about? What are you working through with your therapist? Um, I'll go first to just give a little example. I notoriously, Chrissy, as you get to know me, will learn that my biggest toxic trait is my lack of boundaries. And we all know this, and we all discuss this at length. And I've gotten better. I've gotten a lot better. But I think over that wild holiday period my work boundaries just all went away like I, I was getting better and better at that and I just completely stopped prioritizing myself and started I I can't tell you the last time I worked out I know this is why I'm excited to talk about this on your episode because I feel like you're gonna you're gonna push me back to my boundaries and I've been literally just of last week got better like I just I had a client that wanted me to stay on for another month and just last week I was like this is not working I you told me I was going to be out months ago like I can't keep doing this right Good. so I'm, I'm slowly getting yes. back to it but I just still find my day-to-day like because you know when you've been out of it for a while like it just takes a second to kind of get back in that game so I'm trying to get back in that headspace with work boundaries specifically which is why I wanted to unpack that with you but yeah. 
Gabby or Chrissy, if you guys have anything off the top of your head. Mm. Were you unpacking? I don't know. Today I tried to journal and literally the only sentence I said this to you, Meadow, like five minutes ago, the only sentence that came out was I literally just said, I feel slow. Like I just felt so <laughs> slow this morning and that's all I wrote. And I closed the book and I was like, you know what? That's that's it for today. I don't know. I just, <laughs> that was it. I think I was just I was feeling so many feelings last week. And Chrissy, we talked about it on the episode that just came out today, actually. And I, mm-hmm. Meadow and I have been meeting with this psychic lately, and I had my second oh. meeting with her, and I talked about, it's been amazing. I'll send you her info if you're Oh curious. my, no, we have Please to talk to you about her. She's later. amazing. Um, oh my God. <laughs> she's amazing. But I had my second session with her, and it was very, like, therapy-like, and I said it mm-hmm. in the last episode. I was like, you know how when you go to therapy and you unpack something, and then it, it like, gets worse before it gets better? Yeah. That's how I was feeling sort of all last week, and I think this week I'm like, I feel like the hangover from that. Right. The clouds are starting to lift. Mm, kind of. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm still in that same space of last week where like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I, I, my eyes were opened to a lot of things and I, my attention has shifted to that, um, which makes me feel, it makes me feel positive and it makes me feel like I'm in the right direction, but it is just, right. it just like still feels like daunting and like heavy. Like how much more why. work do we have to do? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just like why. Cause so the well. work never fucking ends. No. No. That, what about you? That is the truth. What's, what's happening? Um, well, I mean, I feel like you guys are catching me on a great day cause it's like full moon and cancer. Lots of feels. I literally wrote that down. Yeah. I have it in my journal. I'm like, full moon and cancer. Talk to her about Lots it. Lots of go. fucking yes. feels. Yep. I was crying earlier today. I uh, cried love Saturday, a good cry. Saturday night. Um, and the full moon is happening in my third house, which is like communication and siblings. Mm. And funny enough, I just started having this sort of like revelation the last like week and a half about how my oldest brother who I'm very close to um, perpetuates my like toxic communication dynamic like Ooh. set by my parents. Yeah. Well, obviously like, you know, we both experienced it, sure. but how, you know, my brother really does at times like perpetuates um, this dynamic that activates my attachment wounds. Wow. Do, do you yeah. think, how you have two brothers? I have two brothers, but this is the one that I'm like closest to, and so the one that like I always, you know, go to um, for advice, just to talk, whatever. But like in reality, he's just not always very present for me, and it can be really upsetting. Did you communicate that to him yet? Um. So I actually just like I have been ignoring him. I'm not ignoring okay. him. I sent him space. I, I was really upset about something like a week and a half ago and I and I probably like overwhelmed him because I sent him this like whole long text thread of being like oh my god this happened blah 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 whereas like I know that if I had like teased it like oh my god guess what happened to me today he probably would have possibly engaged more but he just like straight up never responded to me so I was like fuck you um so I'm just not even gonna say anything and then yeah. he was like facetiming with my dad Saturday night and my dad came into my room and was like someone wants to talk to you and I just like had like the covers like over yeah. my face I was like <laughs> yeah. hi no <laughs> um and he was like oh you're mad at me and I was like kind of yeah 
and I did like didn't really like get into it and he was then he tried to be like responding to my text I was like you're about 10 days too late but thanks yeah, yeah. you you gotta have to address a couple other things like maybe the fact that you didn't respond and then not talk to me for 10 days before we get into the meat of what it was about uh, right <laughs> right I'm like right. I don't need to hear your take now like that yeah. it's like, done yeah Oh, wait, how wild, though, that it's all about communication and like communication between the two of you and you two trying to communicate about it in your third house. See, astrology is real, people. It It is real. You just got to pay attention. Your brother and my sister should talk because. (laughs) (laughs) I know, because my brother. Yeah, my brother definitely has like avoidant attachment. I'm the only one in my family with anxious attachment. But I also do have some avoidant. I'm like anxious ambivalent. So it's like I do Mm. have times where um yeah it's like easier for me to just like fall back and kind of ignore the situation but that's so, what's been on my mind I have so many questions for you about like your attached I just ordered the book attached yeah. um yeah. and I, I you just ordered it I know I know, I know. it's very off-brand for me and <laughs> I'm I'm excited to go into it but I've always been like told slash I understand that I'm very avoidant but, oh. and this is something that we'll talk about later because I want to talk to you about dating and relationships and such. I Now that I'm, like, dating, I'm very anxious and it's, like, weird. Like, I'm, it's a weird combination of anxious and avoidant mm-hmm. that I want to unpack with you. But mm-hmm. one of the things we really wanted to talk to you about was, obviously, like, you've been very open about your mental health. Not only in your writing when you were still full-time at Harper's, but, like, you always talk about leaving and how that was, like, a big thing that impacted your mental health. I'm curious as to, like, if something shifted when you decided to leave your job and that's what you were like let me reprioritize and reframe the thing the way that I think about my mental health or if you were like nah it's time it had actually nothing to do with your mental health slash since you were talking about your brother this got me thinking I'm curious to see the way that your family like do Mm -hmm. they indulge the conversations with you Mm -hmm. like are they down to do work with you are they down to do work on themselves like how does that okay absolutely not I have a follow-up question I have a follow-up question with that too because I I swear I heard you say this in a podcast but I want to make sure I'm correct because your family's Jamaican yeah and do you still have family in Jamaica too did you yeah 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 because I want to I want you to also tie that into like specifically Jamaican perception on mental Mm -hmm. health too like it was yeah yeah there's a lot in the there's a lot in that you just asked you three questions (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the work stuff, like, I mean, to be honest, it was more so the money issue that made Mm. me want to leave my job. Like, yeah, I was burnt out, but also it's like, but you're not paying me enough. And there were just things happening on the periphery, like me getting, you know, sponsored content deals with brands Mm. and my company being opposed to it. And me just feeling like, um, I don't feel like my worth is being recognized here. So I'm going to take this show elsewhere. That was really the gist of it. Um, And so it wasn't until I left and like had more space to think about what I wanted to do that, you know, I was able to like brainstorm the idea around like starting my newsletter forward joy, where I write a lot about mental health and um, just like life, career relationships, et cetera. Um, and I know that that is a really important piece for me. Um, and part of like my purpose in life, because, you know, I also think it's really interesting when you like, when I consider my family dynamic and that I'm part of a 
Jamaican immigrant family. Uh, my parents never grew up talking about, like mental health. I don't think any of our parents really grew up talking about mental health, um, but definitely not, you know, in the culture that my parents grew up in. It's very much like, oh, if you have a problem, go to church and pray about mm -hmm. it. Um, or my mom will be like, go exercise it out. Like, you know, that's her, that's her um, thinking. And there's just like a lot of dysfunctional communication patterns in our family. And no one really likes to talk about feelings or address problems. But then here I come, I'm like, I'm the only one in my family who really likes to talk about things who can like emote properly. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always kind of been seen as like too much, especially like considering, you know, like I try to give my parents some bit of grace because first of all, like, you don't know what you don't know and you can't love in the ways that you were not loved. Um, and so that's, that's know, a bar. I, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, and because my parents came here with absolutely nothing and were solely focused on providing for me and my brothers materially, the emotional piece absolutely just like was not really there. And, um, you know, so it's like, I, I think I was often made to feel like my emotions were too much. Um, and, you know, I've really been able to see how much that has like, absolutely fucked my experience, like in romantic relationships, um, and my ability to like, express my needs, like, I'm just, I'm not good at it. Well, question. wait, so, okay, sorry. Okay, wait, yeah, go, no, you, we will have important questions here. <laughs> so go where well. did all the self-worth come from? Like, if you're in that job and already know, like, you're not honoring my self-worth, I'm getting other deals, I don't need this buy, like, how do you, where did all that self-worth come from if from a young age you're not learning how to express your emotions, you're experiencing anxiety, your family won't do it, like, I feel like that's that's pretty counterintuitive to me to think someone that started so young and so anxious like has all this confidence and self-worth. I don't know. I feel like they get so wrapped up in each other. That's kind of interesting. I know. I really don't understand it either sometimes. And I think that's also a factor that like really drives me crazy because I do Ooh. consider myself to be very confident and I really believe in myself and my capabilities. And like, um, but I also think that I was also praised a lot for being able to achieve like being ah. good at being good in school mm -hmm. and all of those things got like it, got it, got it, got you know it. my yes. my brothers and I are the first ones to go to college so okay absolutely so I never doubted my ability to achieve right. like not for a second it was just when the struggles happen along your journey to achieve something deal with it on your own yeah okay yeah nice. and I'm hyper independent I think yeah. because I know that like I can't necessarily rely on someone to like hold space for me. Mm. Frankly, I feel like anybody who has ever worked in any industry, like the one that we worked in, like anyone that worked in editorial, anyone that works in magazines, like you automatically, I feel like are the most hyper independent. Mm. Yeah. Like, ignore your feelings when it comes to the workplace type of person. But everything that you just said, I see myself reflected in so much. And I didn't, I'd never made this connection. Like I literally feel like we were raised in the same house. Like that's <laughs> such an experience that I fully, fully identify with. Do because you, you moved back home during the pandemic. Yeah. Are you ever feeling like wildly triggered, especially now that you've done like yeah. all this work on yourself? Do you see yourself like reverting back to like little Chrissy when you're home? 
I mean, all the time. I've been really, really triggered um, constantly. And I've, you know, I always tell my therapist, I'm like, I feel like if I can like master this, I feel like I will make it to like my next level of enlightenment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We say that shit all the time. Like I'm about to up level into reaching self and self-improvement self-enlightenment yeah once you can be in your childhood home and like be self-regulated you've reached nirvana in my opinion yeah and you know there are it's very up and down i think as of late i think it's probably been a bit easier and i feel a little less triggered but what happens is i push stuff down so much and then i will have like a fucking explosive outburst like I've had about I think two or three since I've been home like to the point where my mom is like she's like terrified because I'm like screaming crying like it's yeah it's a lot how do you how do you go back how do you come back from that like how do you feel better or is that what actually makes you You know what well (laughs) I will say every time it's happened it's always been leading up to my period I'm like oh there you go. Um, yeah. um, but also, my mom is spectacularly one of those people who she will like witness me have this like meltdown, and the next day she acts like nothing ever happened. I guess that's the okay. positive side of like when I brush shit under the rug, right? It's like exactly. You, you do like forgive and forget quickly. She really does. And I yeah. think, um, you know, I think also during when I'm having those moments, my mom is never getting worked up also. Like Mm, her tactic is always like stay calm while I'm like, you know, throwing the tantrum. Um, So then of course that also makes me feel really guilty for Uh (laughs) having Uh a tantrum. My mom has the exact same tactic. Yeah. Oh, mine doesn't. Oh, she, she, (laughs) (laughs) we just both go for it. Um, question how do your parents feel about you talking about them because i just got into a fight with my mom about it oh yeah (laughs) my mom oh because your mom listened to our podcast no because my biggest fear no (laughs) no 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 no. she's like i listen i'm like no you don't because we'd be fighting right now she we got into an argument because i posted a text message of her when she told me oh yeah i looked like a whore and she i posted the text go ahead uh yeah my ignorance is bliss uh my dad does not pay attention to i mean thank god my parents are not very technologically savvy but my mom does know how to like watch my instagram stories so there have been there have been like a couple issues since i've been home um once when i was talking about the neighborhood that i live in which of course is predominantly white and we're the only black family so um, I was talking about how there's a lot of like we support our police signs in our neighborhood, oh. and I said to me that's like saying, "Say you hate black people without saying you hate black people." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my parents were really upset because they were like, "We don't want problems with the neighbors," and I'm like, "We don't have to like their opinions don't matter." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, they're also 100%. they're not. Sorry, guys. No, you're um, fine. Still getting, still getting over COVID. <laughs> Literally, so um, are both of us. Like, so do, do not apologize. We're like the the runny nose. Um, yeah. And I'm like, also, our neighbors 
don't know who I am and do not follow me on Instagram. So rest easy in that. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. I just don't care. And um, it's my opinion. I'm allowed to have that. So, and if they're um, saying they don't care that openly, how come we have to care about what they think? Like, right. Exactly. Um, But yeah, there have been, you know, my mom, especially like really does not want to be on my social media like at all. So, you know, I try to respect her privacy in terms of like posting her and stuff like that. But yeah, sometimes I I do want to share my experiences and she did get upset with me like two weeks ago, I was doing a Q and a and someone was asking me about like, adulting or whatever and I said like I grew up with a mother who did everything for me and now she chastises me for not being able to do everything on my own and so you know my mom was upset about that but I'm like the thing is that it's the truth yeah Yeah. I'm not lying it's so cool like oh my god I'm trying to take a page out of your and I'm and, and it's like we're and I'm like this is not we're not the only people who have this dynamic like, right. This is like actually this isn't very unique common... to you. This is a no. common thing. Yeah. And it also right. doesn't make you a bad it. mom. No. It right. doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Like it's literally no. just my story of like how I'm experiencing. What was your question, Gabby? But, no, it wasn't. It was just like how cool that mm-hmm. you're able to be, I guess, rooted enough in like who you are that you can talk about this with your parents because I find mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so difficult to talk about anything that's like currently going on like whenever I go back home my mom said it to me last time I was home for Christmas she's like you're so angry all the time and I felt so bad when she said that to me because I was like I'm actually like the happiest I've ever been and I feel like I'm just so triggered in this fucking house that like I don't like she went to give me a hug and I was like please don't touch me and I felt so bad because I'm not Mm -hmm. like that with her Mm -hmm. and I was like I just think when I'm home I revert back into this like angry teenager right like because it was similar stuff where it was like I you know, we, we talked about feelings, but then when the feelings actually came, that's when, like, we were like, let's not. Like, the, the we just like, let's not talk about it. And, like, her and I have never actually talked about that. So now mm. it, it, I find it really cool that you are able to have, like, real like real talk conversations <clears throat> with your parents while I mean, you're going I, through it, right? Like, right. in real time, yeah. Right. Well, the thing is also, like, because I have also, like, educated myself so much, it's like I'm – you know, I read a ton of psychology books and it's like, I can see clear as day mm-hmm. what is playing out every day in this house and like where my mom's like anxiety and trauma comes into play, where my dad's trauma comes into play. So I try to like point it out to them. But at the end of the day, it's like they're, they're not really grasping it. Um, and and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I think, but it is, I think that is the, one of the hardest parts about doing the work though, is especially when other people around you aren't is like my therapist always says, like, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because on one end you have all this awareness and it's really amazing. On the other end, it kind of makes you feel isolated and really alone because no one understands or sees what's going on that you see. So that's the yeah. part I connect to. Like my whole thing growing up was I was the sibling or the daughter of all the mental health issues and all the issues. And I, I didn't get, I didn't have anxiety till I was 24, 25. So like growing up in the house, I felt like I was the only one seeing things that way, which is empowering. Cause it kind of helps you, like you're saying, it kind of helps you remove and step back, but then you're inevitably labeled the crazy one because you're the only one seeing it in that reality. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you ever get into 
like a mental health self-care hole because you're saying you read so much about like mm-hmm. I always see you posting new books that you're reading you're constantly doing the work you're talking about it with your parents like you're having these conversations with people online I'm sure people trauma dump on you and your dms 24/7. oh I can <laughs> yeah, I bet. do you ever get into that like that hole where you're like if I'm not constantly reading and doing this work like I'm gonna fall behind like, no does it ever get dark oh. no no uh because I think that um I don't know maybe it seems like I'm doing more than I actually am like I think I post like obviously yes I buy a lot of books I post a lot of books but it's like I'm not I'm not I like I'm not finishing half of them because I'm like re I'm like reading four different things That's at a time it's like yeah you might you might see yeah. me post something yeah. like one day but then I don't like I don't touch it again for like another week or two um I think I have to I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I I need to really be like on a mission um, mm-hmm. to like learn something to where I'm going to like sit down all day and like read something start to finish. Like I've definitely gotten like in those holes yeah. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to learn every single thing I can about this. Um, I've definitely like been there before, but now not so much. And I think like, I don't know, this year... <laughs> I definitely wanted to be like, oh, I'm going to go three months without like reading a self-help book. I don't think that's realistic for me because for me is like self-development is something that I genuinely really enjoy. Like Mm -hmm. it is a passion of mine and it's not even always just about to benefit myself. It's like because I just want to learn because whether it applies to me or not, like it also might apply to someone that I, you know, is a friend of mine or someone I come in contact with. Like, um, you know, I think like I keep saying now, like I think by the time I turn 40, like I will probably go back to school to try to get a psychology degree. Cause I just think that, um, you know, it's something yes. that I'm really interested in. And I spend so much personal time, like reading about shit. I'm like, I may as well get a degree. Dude, if I ever have a midlife crisis and open up a private practice, I will hire you. You and I will go in on this together. Joint private yes. practice, midlife crisis. Yeah. Turn this so, shit around and just start taking clients. I mean, I yeah, I'm totally into it. Has a lot of the past couple of years, especially because you have been home, has a lot of the main themes of what you've been unpacking inner child stuff or has it have you noticed that because you're home it's brought up like other areas of work that are interesting that haven't occurred to you or has it mainly been inner child stuff yeah I think a lot of it is inner child stuff like my yeah just my triggers with my parents and then how that also relates to my romantic relationships I feel like that's mm. like what I've really been in therapy for for the last like 15 years <laughs> Okay, so how's that showing up? I'm curious to talk about, like, how this sort of prioritization of your mental health has impacted your dating life. And yes. I really – something I said to Meadow when we were prepping for this, I was like, I love how in your newsletters, whenever you talk about – which, by the way, like, we're going to put everything in our show notes, but if you guys aren't subscribed to your newsletter, like, what do you, <laughs> you need to, need to be? Yeah. What are you doing? Leave right now, subscribe, and then come back. <laughs> something – something that you always talk about and I just I really appreciate the way that you talk about dating because it's never in this like sort of chasing love narrative it's like in the way that I'm taking it and please tell me if like I'm really off base here is like Mm. you are so rooted and secure in yourself 
that you're like, I have all this love that I'm like here giving myself. I'd love to like, if there's someone else that like wants to be on that journey and like that I can also give love to and we can like sort of do it together, like dope. And I really, I value that approach because it's not this like desperate, like I need to find love. Or that I'm healing myself so that I can find love. It's like, no, I'm healing myself because I'm with myself for the rest of my life. But if I can find someone that's going to heal themselves on their way with me, like, let's go. (laughs) You know, that's how it comes across. Yeah. Fully. I appreciate that. I think, you know, I think that throughout my 20s, I was okay. I think so much of my existence has always felt um has always been rooted in a desire to be in a relationship so Mm. I do think I'm a Pisces so we love love and my Venus is also in Pisces so okay wow so you know so I do think that I have had that desperation Mm. um that probably came out a lot in my 20s but I think I also felt very self-conscious about sharing that um and So I think in the beginning, it did really feel like, oh, I need to work on myself and I'm in therapy so I can fix myself so that I can be in a relationship, you know, but then cut to, you know, 30 and still being single. And like, there's always this, you know, idea that, okay, once you hit 30, if you're not in a relationship, like it's over for you. So, um, you know, I think it got sort of easier to like accept where I was in life. And then I think also having my birth chart read Mm. really reinforced that we are all on our own timeline. Like Mm -hmm. your friend getting married or getting engaged has nothing to fucking do with your life. And when you're going to be in a relationship, there is no supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, I think for so many of us, because of the world we live in, like our greatest fear is being 30 and single, being 35 and single. Guess what? I'm 35 and single. So I'm like, I'm not going to stress myself out about this. Like it just is what it is. And I believe that when the timing is right, the timing will be right. And in the meantime, yes, I can do the things that I need to do um, to like prepare myself, whatever. Um, But I'm also going to like fucking enjoy my life because I love my life. How do you get to that point though because how do you release you said that you have like anxious attachment style how do you I do yeah release that <laughs> I have actually... I haven't I haven't I or have... how do you remind yourself along the way then like rather than releasing it yeah. like how what are you doing besides talking to your therapist that like reminds you along the way you... to try to like keep that in mind you guys I have like crazy anxious attachment like it is I with you know, friends I... too or just romance? no I I don't just okay. romantically. Okay. I mean, sometimes it will come out in friendships like a little tiny bit with, with maybe people I'm not like super close to. Like I've definitely had some friends where I felt like, oh, they didn't get back to me because they're like blowing me off, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but but with romantic relationships, it's on another fucking level. And I think, um, you know, me a picture. I... Can you give an example? Of like something you would do in the past or like some, you know what I mean? Or something I that like really triggers you? I 
so that you're comfortable just, sharing with obviously yeah because. no it's just it's I'm like it's literally everything saying, it's like if oh, I wow, okay. if I so if I go on a date with someone and I decide that I like them from the minute they leave me I'm gonna start thinking like oh my god am I ever gonna hear from this person again like or they don't really mm. like me or like start the I, thoughts. I'm, it's the thoughts I'm a, and I'm a major catastrophizer. Like, oh, okay. And I feel like it's actually gotten like worse. Well, um, we live in a catastrophe time, so I mean, yeah, it's so kind of fair out. for your brain and your your thoughts to be fair, you know. Yeah. Um, but damn. And so okay. it's it's you know it's in the it's in the space where where okay, you're talking to someone and you don't hear from them for a few days and the wheels start turning. Oh, they met someone else. They don't like me anymore. Uh, you know, all, all of that stuff. So, and it's, for me, it takes over my entire body. Um, I wrote about this Ooh, in my physical. last news. I wrote about this in my last newsletter um, of 2021, but uh, there's this Instagram account that I follow called the secure relationship. And there was a post I saw where they were describing, um, or it was sort of narrating what an anxious attachment person would say. And mm. when they're activated and it said like, my whole body is on fire. And oh. when I first read it, I was like, that sounds extreme. Drama. But then yeah. when I started like dating again, um, I was like, oh, wait, this is exactly what it is. It's yeah. this intense, I get like a burning in my stomach. And yeah. it's very, very hard. I've not properly learned how to self-soothe. So that is something is that it, I'm I... actively working on. Yeah. Do I have anxious attachments? <laughs> like, Meadow and I have been talking about this because like, I'm single and dating. And I had a situation thing where like, I've been told that I'm always so avoidant and I've been told that I like cut people out really easily. So now I'm like second guessing. I'm like, is that just someone's projection onto me? Am I not actually avoidant? Because I do get very anxious in the way that I overthink when I'm like fixated on someone. Like I, I obsess and I overthink. And I was yeah. telling Meadow that I felt like when this last situation thing, like it, I mean, I don't even want to say ended because it like, it didn't even, there was right. like a fucking culmination to anything, but like me putting myself Fizzled. out there it made me feel so fucking desperate because my baseline is so like mm-hmm. don't talk to mm-hmm. me that when right. I like opened up I was like I look like a desperate fucking girl but it's like and no I, you like, barely opened yourself up and spoke your truth <laughs> you're not desperate you're just but you're I just opening obsess. your heart a tiny bit yeah but I do obsess I, yeah. I think it's because I've started so, to same. open up a tiny bit maybe it's a combination oh, but you God. know what's so funny because both of you are the same in this way too where like you didn't have to be told that you're a bad bitch to achieve and like do this work and all the self-worth like both of you go into the magazine and get so like independent and cool and know the self-worth and then all of a sudden you just put it with a relationship and it all's gone like I know it's so it's I... it's so funny that our like what all of our experiences are and all this inner child shit like per situation vastly fucking different because it keeps you on this is where we're saying the work never ends because this shit just keeps us on our toes especially when it's has so much variance I guess I know and that's and that's something I always try to remind myself because you know especially in the work that I do right now and like you know working as an influencer and content creator like 
you know, I'm living project to project, but mm-hmm. I never, I never worry about work. Like I just, I have an abundance mindset. So I yeah. always know like shit's always going to be coming to me. I literally don't sweat anything. Um, but were that's you always like I... that. Or were you like that sense going freelance brand? Um, well, I guess like I had a, you know, I had a corporate job before, so it's right. like a little, you know, it's a different mindset, but, um, but yeah, I just, I don't worry about work at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why can't I have that same mindset when it comes to dating? It's like, mm-hmm. I do have that mindset of like, oh my God, I need to ha- hold on to this one thing and like squeeze the dear life out of it because I don't know when the next thing is going to come around. Like that's, mm-hmm. um, also I want to say Gabby that you might be, you might have disorganized attachment, which is both you fear intimacy, but you also want it. So, um, you can have, so you can, so you can have both of that sort of like push pull. And unfortunately the attached book does not cover Cover. disorganized attachment, which, um, is really unfortunate. I have to look, look, I'll find something for you guys. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I have to, I have to look, um, I have to look to see if there is a book that like goes in depth into it because I would also like to learn more about it. Um, And usually, yeah. And usually um, that dynamic is when you have, I mean, this is in an extreme case. I'm going to just say like a lot of times it happens with kids who have an abusive parent Mm -hmm. where like, obviously you love that, like think of the dynamic of like, you love that parent, but that parent also scares you. Mm -hmm. Sounds so like that's why relationship. It, <laughs> so, it does. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it is that, yeah, like wanting to go towards them, but also being terrified. Yeah. And I wonder if that plays into my need for something that I know that you relate to because I literally screamed when I read this in your newsletter. Mm-hmm. My obsession with being the exception, not the rule. Mm. Mm. And I wonder if that plays into it, too, because, like, you're scared of it, but, like, you want to, like, mask, like, you want to, like, mm-hmm. like conquer it in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because well, I prove something to yourself. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I literally couldn't believe. But for people listening, like, she, Chrissy had this entire newsletter where she <laughs> had an entire conversation with someone that she had a situationship with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is honestly so the dopest fucking idea of her newsletter. I can't. <laughs> I come know. on. It's so good. It was it really was, good. I'm going to pat was, myself on the really, back for yeah. that one. Please do. Like. <laughs> That needs to be turned whenever you publish a book one day. Like that needs yes. to be Yes. Yeah. Just a, se- a whole book about it. Yeah. Just like conversations. But I, but I literally, I, I, when you wrote that, that line about like, I want to be the exception, not the rule. I was like, mm, same. Yeah. I think, same. but that, but that's also like a function of attachment wounds. It's you're hoping to correct the dynamic that you had yeah. with, you know, your caregiver. So you're, you know, you go towards those like dysfunctional things, thinking that you're going to be able to master it this time. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I was talking about like in regards to, yeah, dating guys who are like players or, you know, mm-hmm. very elusive and you want to be the one that they change for. Like they very change. attractive. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it's also an ego thing because if you do get absolutely, there, which I'm not like condoning this, but like, in the situation that like you do conquer it and you do yes. get them, then that's a bigger ego thing. Cause then all of the women around them, let's say we're talking about like a man or a straight man in this situation, like all the women yeah. around them yeah. would be like, Oh fuck. 
who's this like, bad bitch that like got to him? Like right. this bitch must be cool. Yeah. Like who right. is that? Exactly. Okay, I, I'm kind of circling back to the inner child stuff, but it reminds me because it's like everything we're talking about about like dating and mental health and spirituality. It all goes back to like kind of our inner child wounds, or at least for us, absolutely, or yeah. you. Yeah. But like, how have you found that your it sounds like your parents like kind of understand you and are more receptive, but just have a cap to how much they want to learn or how deep they're willing to go. How have you given like the validation or the healing to yourself about all this inner child work when living with parents that still always put a cap on it? You know what I mean? Like, how are you able to kind of like work through all those things in that regard? I just, as I always do, like it is at the end of the day, it is about me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not looking for them to validate the work that I'm doing because again, it's like, you know, they are to blame, but at the same time, like I do have some acceptance around the fact that like they did the best that they could. Mm -hmm. And I think this is also a piece that's also very heavy, like for children of immigrants, like Mm. your parents sacrificed Mm -hmm. so much for you. And, you know, there is this piece of being, of always just being very grateful and respectful of them. So, you know, I think it, it can, it's a tricky dynamic to think, oh my God, my parents, like they fucked me up. But at the same time, like they got me here, they helped get me here. So um, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for them to, to validate the work that I'm doing. It's like, I want, I want to find the peace within myself, you know, and this is between me and myself and the work that I do with my therapist or other healers mm-hmm. that I work with. It's like, so you can bring it up in conversation to them, but with the, always with an intention that like, I'm not trying to heal from this conversation I'm just trying to like explore this topic with them if they're willing do you know what I mean like how do you set intentions going into conversations about say you're like hey I'm anxious because you did everything for me and now you resent me for it like do you do you try to go into those conversations with a bad intention you know what I mean like just thinking about other people listening to this with parents that are like oh my parents are the exact same like what sort of what sort of headspace or guidelines do you set for yourself to kind of create those boundaries? Speaking from the girl that doesn't know how to create them. I know it's hard. Um, You know, I try to have that conversation with my mom to like help her explain why I do revert back to like my childhood self and I don't want to clean up after myself or clean Mm -hmm. my room. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's, that concept is hard for her to, to wrap her head around because she's like, but you're an adult. And I'm like, I know, but I'm here in which a dynamic played out constantly where you cleaned up after me. Oh, and even your now, childhood home too? You lived there the whole yes, time yes, growing yes, up? Yes, okay, yes, just yes, yes, yes. Context. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. so. That just like, adds so much more pressure to everything <laughs> we've been saying the whole time. <laughs> I know. And it's also like, but she, uh, the thing is also that she still does it. Like Ooh, she gets okay. angry. Like she'll get angry at me for like the boxes from like the packages I get mm. or whatever. But at the same time, she just ends up cleaning. She cleans, she cleans it up and then she yells at me. And like, she's obviously like harboring resentment towards me because she's, Gabby's doing this but she doesn't but she also like she also lacks 
boundaries for herself in which I'm like you and I try to explain to her I'm like you have to either make me do it or you do it because you want to do it and you cannot then throw it back in my face I literally feel this is my mother and I (laughs) Gabby's having a meltdown (laughs) I'm having a mental breakdown I think we're we were switching no breakthrough baby breakthrough this is my mother with money. And then she screams at me oh, for like yeah. not understanding how to budget. And then I get yelled at for not fucking knowing yeah. how to budget at 25 years old. And I'm like, oh, Ooh. who was the one that like, yeah, okay, here, look. I, I, <laughs> the money trauma? Like, if we're going to go into money trauma, oh my God. Trust me, like, like, can, I can also go there too. Let's yeah, go like there. I'm prefacing like a large chunk of this saying like I grew up ex- with a mother that made me like gave my sister and I a lot of privilege. And I always whenever I talk about money, I always like say the caveat. And I'm like, look, I grew up in a house where I had both immigrant parents that literally had absolutely nothing. And my mother was the one that provided fucking everything for mm-hmm. me and my sister. She's a badass CEO founder, like always instilled that in us. And ma- she money was something that she never had growing up and it was her way of showing love for me and my sister because Same. she didn't have that and she wanted o- us to always feel taken care of and I'm forever grateful for the support that she's shown me that said caveat done I get yelled at now for like not having a good mm. grasp on money not understanding like how to fucking budget but mm. and growing I remember in college I would like run out of money I had like an allowance in college right and I would right. run out and I would get these fucking like long text messages or like screaming phone calls and I'm like and then I'd wake up and there'd be more money in my bank account. And I'm like, well, hello. They don't, I know. They don't realize. Yeah. <laughs> you they don't you learn. They, right. They don't realize that they're actually doing us a disservice right. by just us. always, yeah. always having the net under us when we fall. And it's because they want the best for us, right? Yeah. Like they don't want to see us go without because they went without. So they're mm-hmm. never going to let us. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they don't, they can't understand but I have the same thing with with money with my mom the only thing that's really frustrating for me is that I'm like do you not see that I listened to what you said like I am very mindful about how I spend money I save my money because my parents always drilled that into me even Mm -hmm. though they gave me money freely they did like support me and give me money basically anytime I asked but like they were teaching as an ad- along the way. But as an adult, I'm like, I I see what they did. Mm-hmm. Like, they literally came from nothing. They bought a house in, you know, Westchester County. It's not cheap to live here. We live in a predominantly white, affluent neighborhood. It's like, I, I see the vision. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. And so I do listen and I do save my money. But my mom talks to me like I don't. And like, I have no money and like, I have no money. Like whenever I talk about moving out and she's not saying this because she doesn't want me to move out. She's like, are you sure you have enough money to move out? I'm like, do you think it's because she doesn't understand what you do? I tell her how much I make. Like I I try to explain to her. I'm like, okay, I just signed this deal. It's X amount. Mm -hmm. I just signed this deal. It's X amount. So she can start seeing and understanding. Right. But she's just like, okay, well you better save all that money. Or when packages come up, she's like, did you buy that? Her first question is always like, yep. like no, how much I'm fucking you... important. It's free PR. <laughs> Jesus, my God. I'm like, when will you learn most of the stuff that's showing up at this house I didn't pay for? Um, you know, but like anything, anything I like mentioned, she's like, it's always like, well, how much did that cost? Or what, what, you know, I'm like, this isn't a time to talk about money. 
just so it drives funny. me crazy. The last time my mom was here, I had you know the always pan. Yeah, That's yes, and I, I want it. I want that pan. Oh, it's really good. I like it a lot. I use it every day. But I had it on my stove, and my mom came over and whatever, and she left. I swear to fucking god, you guys, she went home, and I got a text an hour later and said. <laughs> No. I saw that pan and I'm reading a magazine. And I saw it in there, $145. Like you, you know how much money you owe me, right? Like my mom's thing is every time I buy something for myself, like a fucking pan, like anything, she's like, you bought that for yourself. Well, did you pay me back yet? You know, you owe me all this money from college. Cause my mom's like, I helped you through college. You're going to pay me back for it, which is fair and her prerogative. But then it's like any time my catalytic converter got stolen. She goes, Oh, do you want me to help you pay for a new one? So I'm like, well, do you want to add that to my tab? To my tab? Or do you want me to pay you back first? <laughs> like, or then I'm going to say yes. And then in a week, you're going to be like, well, now I paid for that and for this. And you bought an always pant. Like, yeah. I know. Mother I actually... wounds, you guys, the mother uh, wounds. And I'm like, no. my dad died. Aren't I supposed to have daddy issues? Nah, I'm good. Like, it's all mother wound, baby. Like, the mother daughter, that's another thing we talk about a lot on here that I feel like, that especially as adults, like as adult women, redefining a mother daughter dynamic as adult woman is a fucking roller coaster. Because well, it's scary when you start to see themselves in you. Oh God. Yeah. And I'm and so you hurt. react like in a negative way. Like yeah. you project something onto someone or you, yep. you like, you exhibit one of their negative patterns. Yeah. That's when it's. And then freaky. it triggers us. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you, though, about spirituality. And you brought this up, like, way in the beginning. You said something about, like, growing up, you didn't really talk about mental health. And then anytime anything had to do with feelings, it was, like, talk about it in religion and, like, go to church. Right. And that's, like, an interesting thing that I've heard so much, especially with, like, my black friends. And whenever Mm -hmm. I talk or, like, I hear conversations about people talking about mental health within the black community, it's, like, very church focused. And, like, it seems like those concepts are very, like, mutually exclusive and you also mentioned getting your birth chart right at 29 what was that journey of finding your own spirituality like for you well I think I've always been really interested in the occult and like I'm a Pisces and we're we truly are like naturally just drawn to this stuff mm-hmm. um I have a 13 year old niece and like she's also a Pisces and seeing her come into astrology without me even saying cool. anything cool, cool, but cool. once she started showing interest and I started like sending her books and and you know she's like obsessed with crystals and Oh my God. It's so, it's so crazy to see, but like, that was also me. Like I was obsessed Mm -hmm. with like the horoscopes in the back of the magazines. I bought like Mm -hmm. a tarot deck and, um, you know, I was raised Catholic, but I don't know, by the time I like got to college, I'd kind of like given that up, you know, it was more just like, okay, going to church on Christmas day, whatever. Um, but, but also the two do not have to be mutually exclusive. And I actually have someone writing, um, a personal essay for my newsletter about this, which I'm really excited about. Yes. Um, coming in February and yeah. And so, I mean, I think that the astrology bit was always really strong for me. I think astrology is often like the gateway modality for most mm-hmm. people who are interested in like, you know, spirituality, the occult, yeah. all of that. Um, but it wasn't really until I think maybe also around 29, like definitely during like my Saturn return, like I was going through a very like yeah. toxic situationship. Also, we'll be writing a story about that for my newsletter. Ooh, um and 
I found a tarot reader like randomly one day, got a reading. It was like so on point. Like I was hooked. It was my first time having my cards read. Um, And so I started going to this reader and I actually was taking a break from therapy at this time. Mm. So it almost became like my stand in for therapy. And I would see this tarot reader like twice a month and definitely became like a little bit of a crutch, especially as I was like trying to navigate this like toxic situationship. Um, But, you know, he would give me a lot of book recommendations. Um, I think the first thing I ever read was The Places That Scare You by Pema Chodron. And that definitely like rearranged my brain and definitely opened me up to a perspective that I just wanted to explore more. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think also for people who suffer from anxiety, finding a spiritual practice, I think is honestly super important. Um, But it's like, but I was going to say, if you're, you know, if you're also religious, like that works too. At the end of the day, as I said, they're not mutually exclusive by any means. It's like, whether you want to say God, the divine, the universe, et cetera. It's believing in something bigger than yourself. um, And something that like, you know, just brings you comfort in this constant like state of uncertainty that is life. Like, you know, nothing about life is ever certain. And I think spirituality just gives you a lot of like basic principles to help you navigate that and like not lose your fucking mind. Dude, I was literally just going to ask you about that from an anxiety perspective because having got didn't having not been diagnosed till later in life, I found that especially the past 2 years, like I was so deep into therapy for so long. Like I've been doing therapy long before I got diagnosed with anxiety just for, mm-hmm. you know, life. Yeah. But I think specifically when it comes to anxiety, like the deeper and deeper I get into it, at least for me, all my answers come back to spirituality. Like it all comes back to being present. It all comes back to mindfulness. It all comes back to like just being in the moment, like knowing there's a greater good, like all the like kind of like Reiki videos and like all those like mantras, like they kind of, it all just ties so much. So I was just curious how much of your, I mean, you kind of already answered it, but like how much of that spirituality practice like related to anxiety coping specifically or like what are some of your favorite like in my I this is where I get a little weird and I always avoid telling Gabby because I know she's gonna make fun of me but I've talked about it like well I've talked about it like six times now so this you know this was back in the day but through the pandemic I got so into Reiki ASMR videos and it was the only fucking thing that would help me fall asleep Interesting. I didn't even know such a thing existed. They're she, you are so, so weirdly cool. insecure about this because you've said it to me so I'm many times. I'm so weirdly you, insecure you about it. I don't know why. With that sentence every, every time. time. And every time. Not <laughs> once have I made fun of you for it. No, I know. <laughs> you never do. It's just in my head. Of course it's in my head. But it's just There's one of those like, to be random rabbit about, holes. But like, because love, people I mean, hear I'm ASMR and they think that I'm like watching people eat uh, pickles. And I'm like, no, I'm listening to them like give Reiki. My sister. I like Reiki. I love Reiki, but I'm just so wondering peaceful. what kind of cool spirituality tools have helped you with your mental health? Like what, what spirituality practices for anxiety would you recommend a friend look into or explore? I mean, I think meditation is like absolutely number mm-hmm. one because, um, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about 
meditation and how it works and what it does because people think that it should work like the first time you do it but it's a practice to train your mind um, and I think you have to do it really consistently in the beginning to be able to see the benefits of it like I don't mm -hmm. meditate every day anymore because I understand how it functions right um, and I can put it into practice anytime I want mm -hmm. but to get there you have to do it Mm -hmm. every day and do it religiously until you can really see how it works because yeah it does train you to stop like lingering on the negative mm -hmm. thoughts even though it can still be like obviously very hard like when you're spiraling you're spiraling and no amount of meditation is really going to help you sure but um you know, unless you really are that good at, you know, your own coping and like self-soothing, I'm not entirely there yet, unfortunately. But um, so yeah, that is really, that's like the most important to me. But then like I get readings and, you know, in a pre-pandemic pre world, I got Reiki, um, mm. which I think is really incredible, really helpful. I love a sound bath situation. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm like, what else have I done? No, those I are all those good ones. ones. I think yeah. another thing that people, I love that you said like the misconceptions of what people think meditation is about because the other one is meditation is not to stop your thoughts. Right. Stop exactly. thinking. Like people are always so, like, like Oh, I can't stop thinking. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's meditation. No one can. <laughs> you're supposed to sit behind it. Like be you're blank. watching them come and go and yeah. not getting sucked into the narrative. Right. Like you're behind them. Yeah. It's like, as Headspace always says, it's like yes. a blue sky with the clouds yes. passing by. And the point totally. is that you just let the clouds, which are the Go. thoughts, pass by. Have you, I don't know if you want to talk about this publicly or not, so you, I can cut it out if not, but have you dabbled into mushrooms and drug world? No, but I am very curious about it for sure. As someone with anxiety, I've decided, like, I've done it consistently enough that I think I've been a microdose once a month. It has fucking changed my life in terms of that that piece that we're talking about with the spirituality with anxiety. Like, it, you don't have to do enough that you're, like, having trippy visuals. And it's just enough that it brings you so naturally. You're able to get so present and get, like, the first time I did it, it's I literally easy. said, this grounding. is where I try to go when I meditate. That's right. like what I said to my friend. It it so naturally takes you to that back seat and that higher perspective. I oh, if mm, you do it, you're I gonna mean, have you to reach to, out to well, us. You're definitely gonna write about it, so I need. To yes, I would. Like, yes, we need I to would, text about it. If we yeah, hang out on the on the 25th, very, I'll bring I'm you something. Of drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, we've got a good yeah, person. Where do I? Okay, look into I'll help you too. I'll help you. Yeah. Stuff. Um. Yes, I know Meadow. We wanted to talk before we ended because. Oh my gosh, it's already been an hour. I know, it's already oh been an gosh. hour. Oh my gosh. Wait, we have, we have so, so much like, more, Chrissy. So much You're going to have like to be back around. Notes. Shit. I know, like honestly, whenever you want. Um, but Maybe. I know that we wanted to talk to you a little bit about some like upcoming 22 or what What year are we in? 2022. 2022. And it's like a tongue twister. I know. Like trends that we see in mental health. Meadow, this was... This was All you, girl. Take especially it away. because you're so much you're on both sides of it, right? Like you're seeing so much of the mental health stuff and in all your work for like anti-racism and brands. I feel like you are such a cool person to ask about like mission driven brands and where people are making mistakes, where people are getting better. Like, where do you see trends of mental health being involved in brands? Like at what level do are you seeing people use 
these mission-driven statements to, I don't know, like, are we going to start requiring this as a baseline? Do you think this is kind of a well, cop-out? Do you, you think I... we have a responsibility to talk about this? Like, I kind of just want to, like, pick your brain on where you feel all these mission-driven statements are going. What were you saying, Gabby? That just to piggyback of what you were saying, like, we always talk about on here how, like, 2020 through <clears throat> 2022 now, like, has been the time of, like, people getting so frustrated with people who don't have anything to say. Yes. And I feel like that really yeah. translates into the thing. We're becoming a lot more conscious shoppers and right. consumers. Or even yeah. as influencers. Like, do yeah. you have a response? Do you think every influencer has a responsibility to speak on certain things? Do you have to pick three? Can you have your top? Like, I'm just kind of curious how you see this moving in the future. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, yes, everyone has a responsibility especially if you have a platform um, to advocate for like marginalized communities. I don't think like, I don't need to see every influencer like talking about mental health if it doesn't apply to them, you know? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And, but who doesn't mental health apply to really? But some people just don't really, I think what we have seen a lot, especially in the beginning of the pandemic is like, not a lot of people have the tact to like mm. talk about more difficult topics um, in a way that is not off-putting. So, but do you want? Do you think that? World, I know, so seriously. True. Do you do you think that <laughs> so like true. the way that we are going, that it's gonna brands are gonna have to develop that tact in order to survive? Um, I or don't no? know because I think there's always gonna be like a demographic of people who like just don't, don't give, give a, a fuck. shit so yeah. Yeah, yeah but i hey it can't hurt mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know right what are some but, of like the i don't want to when... see but i also don't want to see like brands like trying to commodify like self-care and like mental health shit Seriously, which i feel yes. like is yes. is really what ends up happening so i'd yeah. rather yeah. just like i would rather see companies like implementing like mental health policies within their corporations like right you know Right, right, right. What's from doing your consulting work? What's an area that you've seen like a lot of ubiquitous mistakes for? And what's an area that you've seen brands really like grow and learn and like change for the better for in terms of like anti-racism work or mental health work? No, only go for the first one in that um, I think most brands continue to um, say they care about diversity but like only if it comes easy to them uh because mm -hmm. i definitely still saw a lot of brands having events with all white attendees and you know i've sent emails to a lot of them and it's always the same excuse to so like oh we invited you know people but we can't like control who attends and um to me that's just fucking lazy mm -hmm. retweet <laughs> And you're still seeing that nonstop? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Or even just like, you know, today's MLK Day. And like, there were mm -hmm. so many emails that were like, oh, the holiday weekend, like holiday sale. And you're like, what? You're like, it's not a holiday weekend. It's like, it's MLK Day. Yeah. 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 Like, you could just say that. <laughs> mm -hmm. MLK Day sale? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't want you want to commodify like, that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, been interesting yeah. seeing that in the magazine world. 
that was like one of the things mm-hmm. of like why I left my old job. It was like I felt like I just saw too much. You know, what I mean? like you see, like I saw Oz. You know, what I mean, I saw the wizard. Yes, whatever yeah. the fucking metaphor is. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, but I just, how do I you change who the wizard like, is if you don't pull back the curtain? And like that's what all of us are here to do, right? Like try to fucking get some say in with the wizard. I guess I don't know. Trying. Doing our best. We all. Jesus. Oh, Chrissy, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> of course. We could talk to you forever. I could (laughs) unpack my inner child wounds with you (laughs) until the end of time. I know. Well, I still want to talk about it more. Money. Exactly. Exactly. Talk to our mothers. (laughs) I know it's tough, guys. I so I feel you. I know. Um, I feel you, and I see you because, like, we're all in the trenches, like, just trying to fucking heal ourselves, right? Period. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about or say or? go over before we wrap it up no just subscribe to my newsletter forward joy hey Everything we will reiterate to follow your instagram <laughs> watch your stories keep up with forward joy the whole uh, your stories really line. keep me going you post like such <laughs> yeah, good quality story. like i like that you just That's... talk to the camera and i'm just like i feel like i'm there on your day when i'm like <laughs> in my apartment working by myself well i also was gonna so say earlier to too when you were talking about your mom i was like not that i have fully stalked you on every media but didn't your mom also used to call it like the circle or something funny she used to oh call yeah she calls it the circle. the circle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> your mom like, how come, your mom on the circle the, she's yeah. like how come nothing's showing up on on the circle yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> It's so cute. Like, keep up I with the circle. You. Keep up yeah. with Chrissy's circle. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you so much. Of course, girls. It was so fun. Oh, every time we talk to you, you're so generously vulnerable and open. Yeah. It helps us and like learn how to talk about what we're going through in real time. I really appreciate it. It's just like, it's life. Like everyone's That's got life. shit. Everyone's got problems. And I don't know. I think hiding them only you know perpetuates this idea that there's like some that it's weird to talk about mental health or it's weird to talk about um you know our problems and i know that there's a lot of other people who are listening to this podcast who you know can relate to all of our stories and that's what's most important i think you know that again like when i share things like yeah it's not always easy but i don't necessarily like i don't overthink it because at the end of the day i'm thinking like this is actually going to help someone. Call it a day. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you've been listening, we appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the last Day podcast every Monday.